Listen, listen, in case you weren't here earlier and you didn't pay attention to this uh, announcement, we want to make sure everybody's aware. May 1st through 3rd is this year's Spring Breakaway 2020. We are beyond excited for this time. And let me just take a moment. If you have never been uh, to this event, let me explain what that is. This is a weekend retreat where we as a family go away. Not too far, because if you're like me, we don't like to go too far away from Chicago. We like to be just close enough where we can still get a hot dog, but not... You know what I mean? Like just, eh. So it's about an hour away, kind of like where Great America is. We're at a campsite. So we're far away to get away, but not far away to get lost, right? And so there's not too many wild animals out there. Um, But aside from that, this is one of those moments, like if you like Excel, picture Excel without a time limit all weekend. And it's just this powerful moment of, number one, you having an encounter with the Lord like you've never had. But also, number two, building relationships with each other and also just having a lot of fun, making some great memories, having a good time. And so here's, here's our commitment. We want to make sure that each and every one of you has an opportunity to go. And so what we're asking is those of you who already know you're going, already planned it, uh, let's help out by signing up and registering quickly. That way we kind of have a core aspect of we know who's going and we have a more a larger availability to give scholarships to maybe your friends, maybe people who are new, people who've never been. We want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to go. This year's lineup is sick. I think it's going to be amazing. But you know what? I don't care who we bring out. I don't care who the speaker is. I don't care who the worship leaders are. Here's the thing. The guest of honor is Jesus. And I know Jesus is going to be there. The question is, are you? And so here's my last thing with that. We will never, we never have, we never will allow money to be the reason why you don't go. So I know sometimes we get insecure about that and, and we get a little weird. And I was the same way as a teenager. I didn't really have a lot of money, expendable income, and I didn't like asking for money. But listen, you're not asking for money. You're asking to go. And if money is the reason why you're unable to, then we'll figure out how to make that happen, okay? We have never said no to somebody because of money. Please don't start now. So if you want to go and that's the issue, talk to me. We'll figure it out. We're not going to make you jump through hoops. We're not going to make you, you know, Memorize half the Bible before you go. We, we just want you to get there. Amen? So, tomorrow is Valentine's Day, right? I don't know why you're clapping. You got a girlfriend. <laughs> Tomorrow's he's like, yeah, all alone. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Listen, listen, listen. Valentine's Day is either really exciting for you or it's like, oh, my God, I can't wait for Valentine's Day. Right? It's one or the other. Or it's just one of those things where you're just going to buy yourself chocolate and call it a day. Um, listen, I, I looking back, I didn't, I didn't care for Valentine's Day. I don't even make a big deal out of Valentine's I made my wife a bunch of food today. I'm like, happy Valentine's Day. I made you this. I made like arroz con gandules and, and navichuelas, tostones, chuletas. I was like, dude, happy Valentine's Day. I'm going to work, right? So, um, but here's the deal. When I was a teenager, I went, man, I went all out. I, I spent money I didn't have. I was just like... You know, doing all these things to try to impress girls. And you realize this is really pointless <laughs> like in, in the grand scheme of things. Now, if you want to love your friends, if you want to have a little Galentines or a Palentines, and you're just like, hey, man, I just want you to feel special. Maybe, maybe dudes don't do that. Ladies, like, hey, sweetie, I just I want you to know you don't need a, a person to, to make you anybody. I love you, and I want you to feel secure and all that stuff. But here's the deal. What Valentines does end up doing, regardless of if you have one or not, it makes you start to think about your current relationship status, whether you're in one or not. It makes you start to reevaluate your relationship, right? Those of you who are in dating relationships, you're trying to see what they do to find out if you're going to still be in a relationship February 15th. Like, you're starting to, to look at some of those things. Some of you dudes are trying to break up with them now so you don't have to get them a present and then try to get back with them February 15th because that's the smooth move, right? Some of you guys are trying to play that game. Um, and, and so it makes you start to think, some of us start to get insecure because everybody else is in a relationship. And, and I used to always think about it like this. Um, <laughs> when I was not in a relationship, it felt like I was walking down the street and there was a house party and everyone was invited but me. But then when I got into a dating relationship, it felt like I was in that party and I was looking for my coat just trying to leave because I couldn't stand the people in that house, right? So you kind of almost always want the opposite of where you're at. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about dating today. We're going to kind of do this over the next few weeks to kind of help you guys understand a little bit better. And uh, to start off, I want to explain to you what our philosophy here at the church and at Excel is when it comes to your dating life, okay? We can't tell you 
who to date, when to date, all that stuff, right? Uh, we default to your parents. If your parents tell you you can't date till you're 16, then that's, that's you and your family. If your parents tell you you can date when you're three and a half years old, that's you and your family. Like, again, I'm not, maybe that's, no, maybe that's illegal. But um, for the most part, I, I'm not going to try to go against your parents. I'm not going to tell your parents how to raise their kid. That's, that's between you guys. So for me, that's you. Now, if you are going to date, I think it's important to understand what you're doing. Just like if you are going to drive, I think you should know how to drive because it's not so much that I'm worried about you. I'm worried about me. I'm on the road too, and I don't want you crashing into me, right? So there's some stuff that I think are important for you to understand when it comes to dating and specifically when it comes to choosing some of those things. You ever uh, seen those old school cartoons where you have the little angel and the little devil on the shoulders? Right, and they're trying to be like doing this, and the other one's like, "No, don't do that. Do this." And and the two little angels are de- the demon and the angel are battling each other, and the person in the middle is the one making the decision. I think we I think we still have that. Only I don't think it's the devil on one side. I think it's you. I think it's your flesh, your desire. The Bible describes it as the flesh, and that is that that carnal desire, that that physical desire that goes beyond your mentality and your emotions. And the other one is the spirit of God that's trying to speak to you, that's trying to go above and beyond your flesh. And this is going to be a constant battle. This is something that many of you have struggled with or will struggle with. And again, whether you date now or date 15 years from now, um, I think many of you in this room have a desire to be in a relationship. Which, by the way, if you don't, you don't have to. Okay? I think sometimes churches paint this in a wrong way. They make it assume that, you know, part of your goal in life is to eventually find a partner and get married. And I think there have been plenty of people who have lived a life single, who have been devoted to the Lord and have done amazing work and don't necessarily need somebody else. Again, my wife is not my better half. Christ made me whole in him. She's just an addition to that. Okay, I am whole in Christ, and so I don't need another person to complete me. And if that's what you're looking for, then you're going to really mess up. Because what you did is you gave them half of your life. You gave them half of your property, half of your heart, half of your emotion, half of everything. And the second they leave you, you lose a big piece of yourself. So for me, I'm made whole in Christ. Christ is the one who will never leave me, never let me go. So God forbid something ever happens to my wife. Yes, it'll hurt, but I'm not going to fall apart because I've been made whole in Christ. Does that make sense? That's just a little uh, precursor. But for those of you who are like, okay, that's sweet. But no, seriously, I want to, I want to be with somebody. Um, and here's the, here's the issue when it comes to like up and coming Valentine's Day and your age. Right now, when it comes to relationships... Most of your reference points come from movies, television, your friends, and social media. And so a lot of it is a fantasy or a fantasy type of viewpoint. It's a Cinderella story, it's a romance story, it's 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 cute. And so we do things that we see online or that we see on TV, you know, that's where you started seeing like promposals, and that's where you started seeing these big love gestures and and you know. You don't even like roses, but you feel obligated to give them and receive them. And it's like, I don't even like, right? We give balloons and we're like, I don't know, they're just dying in my house slowly. Um, we do all these things. And listen, honestly, it's like, dude, I don't even know why we do it. It's just what you do, right? Why do you give chocolate on Valentine's Day? Well, it's just what you do. Well, why, do you, why do you give them a card? Because card companies need to make money and they make them on Valentine's Day. And so we end up doing things. Simply because we just see people doing them. We don't even know why we're doing them. And so I want to take this moment to to scale back and to look at the dichotomy between the two people on your shoulders. And I want to help you understand how to make a decision when those two voices are going off. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says this, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. Okay? He's talking about the flesh right there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 through 25. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So that first verse 
talks about the flesh, right? It talks about those desires, those, those uh, worldly desires that wage war against our very souls. It's, it's that desire when, when you're looking at somebody and you start thinking things that you shouldn't be thinking. And, and, and it's this battle where you're like, no, I shouldn't be looking at her like that. I shouldn't be looking at him like that. I shouldn't be thinking those kinds of things. And, and you feel this battle that's going on within you. And then the next verse tells you that it's the spirit, right? It's like we nailed all those passions to the cross. We're no longer governed by our lust and by our passions, but by the spirit of God. When you follow the spirit's leading through these difficult areas of life, you will always end up on the right place. When you follow the sinful nature or the flesh through these difficult areas of life, you'll always end up in a dark place. And that's why the two forces are constantly fighting each other. And when I look at the Bible, one of the, the most classic illustrations of this is a man by the name of Samson. Samson in the Bible is considered the strongest man to have ever lived, but he was also as dumb as a pile of rocks. And you see Samson has this battle between his flesh and the spirit of God. And his battle almost always revolved around lust, around this deep-seated passion to be with las chicas. He just always wanted a lady friend. Now listen, how do we navigate these, these dramas, these issues? How do we realize what we're supposed to do? Again, Samson is the strongest man in the Bible. But if you follow his story, he was a Nazarite. A Nazarite. He, he made a vow. And this vow meant that you were separated from everybody else. You were holy from everybody else. And there were some clear signs of that separation, that you were set apart for God's use, right? You couldn't cut your hair. You couldn't touch anything that was dead. You couldn't drink any alcohol. There were some very clear signs that would set them apart. And at the time, their biggest enemy were these people group known as the Philistines. They wanted to wipe out the holy people of God. They wanted to wipe out God's nation. And so this is this time of turmoil that Samson is born into. And even though Samson makes a sacred vow... His flesh is really what's leading his life. And you see that really early on in Judges chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. It says, one day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. It's crazy if it was that easy, right? If I, was, if I just went up to, like, my parents, like, hey, there's this girl named Cicely. She looked good. Go get her. Wife, right? But that's, that's what he did. Now, again, he said it's a Philistine woman. Now, remember, the Philistines are the enemies of God. This is not the type of woman that he should be pursuing. And he doesn't really even know her, right, because he just kind of saw her. But listen, his father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or, or among all the Israelites that you could marry? They asked, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. <laughs> so stupid. His father and mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. The Bible goes on to tell us that that relationship did not go well. Uh, Samson gave a bunch of the Philistine men at his bachelor party a bet. He gave him a little riddle. And he's like, hey, whoever can figure out this riddle, I'll give you all this stuff. And uh, those guys that were Philistines convinced Samson's fiance to tell them the answer to the riddle. So she told the answer, and, and they guessed right, and Samson realized that his woman betrayed him, even though she was a Philistine, and he kind of should have figured that out. And so he's like, fine, you can have your stuff. But then he grabs a bunch of foxes, ties torches to their tails, and lights their entire land on fire because he's just that kind of petty, right? Like Samson is just like a child. Talk about like a, a crazy, y'all ever seen a crazy breakup at school? Like, like I, I had this one girl, she's a good friend of mine. Um, she had like the craziest breakups all the time. Like, every year she had a crazy, one of them was in the rain, so it was, like, super dramatic, right? Like, it was just kind of like this small drizzle. And I was, like, just far enough where I could, like, play music and then lip what they were saying. And so I was like, oh, snap, what, what do you think they're saying? And then they were going off at each other. And then she spit in his face. 
And he, like, wanted to go after her, but the guys held her down, and she's screaming and kicking. I was like, yo! And then next year, she was dating this other guy who I guess cheated on her or did something. And right in front of the discipline office, and she was all a 4'11", she jumped up, punched him in the nose. This dude was, like, 6'2". She punched him in the nose. He starts bleeding. Security comes. I'm like, oh, snap. Every time I was there, it was so weird. Then there was this other time where there was this dude, he was a gangbanger. He didn't even go to our school, but he's literally begging for her to take him back. He's like, please, baby, please. He's on his knees, and she's like, you don't love me. You don't, If you really love me, you'd get my name tattooed on your neck. Yo, the next week, old boy shows up with her name tattooed on his neck, and she's laughing. She's like, I can't believe that moron did it. I'm like, you going to get back with him? No, I was never going to get back with him. <laughs> Just goes to show what people are willing to do, what drastic measures people are willing to go when they listen to the flesh, that, that carnal instinct, that part inside them that says, I have to have this person. And you laugh. But there might be, if you haven't already, some crazy things that 10, 15, 20 years from now, you're going to look back and go, can't believe I did that. Can't believe I said that. Can't believe I wrote that letter. You know what I love about teenagers' love letters? They're so utterly dramatic. Like their text messages, it's just so utter. You're the love of my life, and I will never love again. And it's like, oh, my gosh, you're 12. Chill. Like, it's not that crazy. Okay? But listen, this is a crazy breakup, and here's something important that you need to understand. Every relationship, romantic one, that you get into will either end in one of two ways. You will either marry them or you'll have a breakup. One of two, right? You'll either be with them long term or you'll break up with them. So how do we mitigate the heartache? How do we prevent from having these dramatic moments where we spit in someone's face, punch them in the face, and make someone get their name tattooed on their neck? Although that last one might be a little dope, low-key, if you get somebody to do that. Let's look at this verse. I want you to see the two voices that were speaking to Samson in this situation. On one side, he had his flesh. On the other side, he had the Spirit of God. The flesh asked this question when they're deciding who to be with. Do they look good? Let's be honest. That's probably the first thing you ask. How many times have we fallen for somebody and never even heard them speak? They just walked into the room. You're like, mine. You know what I mean? Like, Loki, I had this girl one time. I walked into McDonald's and I was like, hey, what's going on, everybody? Oh, wow. <laughs> Yo, what's her name? Oh, bet. She got a man? Don't matter. Bet. Right? We, we do it all the time. We do it in person. We do it. Driving down the street, breaking your neck, almost crashing into things. Like, oh, snap. Samson's only argument, right? Think about it. When they challenged him on this girl, what was his argument? She looked good. <laughs> that was his only argument. The Bible said that she caught his eye. They probably never talked. All he knew was that she was a Philistine woman. And for him, it was lust at first sight. Not love, lust at first sight. He saw her, and he wanted her, and he thought, that's the one. Listen, I think we've all been there, even if it's just for a moment, where they walk in, and your heart goes, doo -doo -doo, and you realize it wasn't love, it was an arrhythmia, you should see a doctor, something's not good about your heart. <laughs> I have an irregular heartbeat, I need a pacemaker. No, but I'm serious, like, they, they walk in and just like, <laughs> just takes your breath, and you're thinking, that's the one. But you don't realize everybody in the room thought that. That's the one. I mean, I know it. I know when I walk in the room, there's like 50 people. Mm, that's the one. And then I got to say hi with my left hand just so they know. No, I ain't. I already been. I'm somebody else's one. Sorry. I got to do this all the time, guys. It's so difficult. You don't understand the struggle, okay? To, to look like this and, and have a ring on your finger. I know I'm breaking hearts everywhere I go. But listen. The flesh will always ask that question, do they look good? Because that's all it's really looking for. It's a satisfaction of the eyes and the body. Look at 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, 
Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Yo, low key, not even in a good way. Sometimes you eliminate an option because of their looks. Right? Ladies, y'all messed up, man. Y'all got to give short boys a try. Some of you are like, mm-mm, too short. Like, you ain't 4'11". <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, y'all so bogus with short guys. It's like, it's not their fault. That's, that's just where it is. <laughs> right? You feel me, John? That's what it is. But listen, again, sometimes we don't even allow the person to speak because we've already eliminated them with our eyes. We've already rejected them with our eyes. The flesh only sees and cares about outward things. It may not even be a physical thing. It may just be what they're wearing. Oh, man, that shoe's all dusty. I can't be what to do with dusty shoes. It's like, are you serious? Because, yeah, you're going to marry a dude. He got Jordans. He ain't got no job. Living in mama's basement. But, yo, he got Jordans. They, cre- they creases are fresh. Who cares? Like, we, we go by such dumb outward appearances, right? We're like, oh, no, I don't like the way he dresses. I don't like the way she does this. I don't like the... We look at so many outward things. The flesh only cares about what it sees, how they look, how tall or short, what features they have. Now, listen, you should be attracted to a person, okay? In particular, if you're going to marry them, you should find them attractive. <laughs> but you'll find out that attraction is more than looks, Right? Because the flesh asks how they look. The spirit asks, are they godly? Not just how they look, are they godly? Because the Bible tells me that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. What is it saying? It's saying people have game. Right? Charm is deceptive. That means people have game. But you can get fooled by game. And beauty is fleeting. What does that mean? That means they might look good now, right? They might be thick now. They're going to be a lot thicker later. Just saying, when you get older, right? You know, he might be looking clean now. He might be looking dusty later. Like, things change. I'll tell you this. Look, I'll be dead honest with you. I love the way Cicely looks pregnant. I loved her big belly. I just I thought it was the cutest thing ever. I was like, babe, you look awesome pregnant. And then, you know, she had the baby, and she's lost a ton of weight because, I don't know if you know, but when you breastfeed, the baby literally just sucks fat out of you. And so I'm like, yo, I need to get on that program. Like, give me a turn, babe. (laughs) But even now, you know, she just had a baby. Her skin's a little flappier. There's scars now. There's, you know, all these things. I look at her, and I don't think, ugh, she's all scarred up and skin's, I'm like, this woman had my baby. This is, this, is my, this is my wife. Every one of those scars is a reminder. This is the mother of my child. I still think she's gorgeous. Because it was never about how she looked. It was about who she is. You know, my wife, and I could only speak to me, my wife, when the moments where I'm like, man, where they really take my breath, is when I wake up in the morning and she's sitting there with my daughter and she's reading her devotions to her. And I'm like, that's my wife. That's the woman that I know I can lean on when I'm struggling, when I'm hurting, because I know that she leans on God. Because I know looks are going to fade. Eventually we all get viejitos and skin hangs and stuff happens. But when you fear God, that's the stuff that you look for. Be careful to make sure that they're godly. And listen, not just people that go to church. Please do not limit your criteria to someone who goes in church. Because I can be at the United Center and doesn't mean I'm playing in the All-Star game this weekend. Okay? Right? Like I always say, you can be in a garage, doesn't mean you're a car. And just because someone's in church doesn't mean they're Christian. Trust me. I've been fooled by that before. I dated a girl at Excel because she came to church. I'm like, yo, she's a Christian. No, she was not. <laughs> she, she only came, literally only came because they told her he, don't, he only dates Christian girls. She goes, bet, I could put that hat on. She was cute, though. That's why I fell for it. Not on the inside, though. She was cool. I can't say it on the mic because she's still living. But too often we fall for appearance of godliness and not actual godliness. Be careful. They might fool you. They might look like the real deal just because they show up. 
They might even look the real deal because they stand in front like that means anything. But we can be fooled by appearance. Listen, Matthew chapter 23, verse 27 through 28. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. For you're like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. <clears throat> you better be careful with who you want to date in this room, because they might look the part, but some of it's only skin deep. There's a lot of people in here who they're still on that journey. I used to have a rule. I, I would implement this for yourself. I never dated a believer who was less than a year saved. I didn't even consider them. Because they're just too new. They're just figuring this stuff out. And for me, here's what I didn't want. I didn't want to get involved in a romantic relationship, have it not work out. And now they don't want to go to church. They don't want anything to do with God. Because the one Christian man that they had an interaction with hurt them. And now they've walked away. So please... I know how it is. You finally get a new boy or a new girl. Y'all get so hungry and thirsty for it. Oh, my God, he's new. That's mine. That, no, you had the last new one. You ran off the last one. I want this one. Like, you start getting all weird about it. Some of you, you knew the first time you came in. It's like, man, everybody's staring at me because you knew. <laughs> and options been drying out. <laughs> but give people time. Give people an opportunity to grow. Give people an opportunity to figure out where they want to be and what God's calling them to do. Watch how they treat other people. Look at how they act. Pay attention to the things they post online. You know what I like to do? Watch what they like online and who they like it by. There are times where I'm like, hmm, you like a lot of posts by people that are wearing very little clothes all the time. So it's telling me you, you follow a lot of these people. And I might think I have to not follow you. <laughs> Watch what they're doing. Watch how they're acting. Look at how they treat their parents. It's a good indicator of how they're going to treat you. God's word says that you cannot be unequally yoked, right? Here's the deal. Unequally yoked doesn't just mean that not having the same animal. For example, you can have two oxen, same animal, but one can be a lot stronger than the other, right? You can have two oxen, same animal. So you can have two Christians, but one might be so much stronger than the other. And what ends up happening is the stronger one ends up having to drag the weaker one everywhere. It's hard enough to do this walk on your own, let alone having to drag somebody along with you. So when the Bible says don't be unequally yoked, it means find somebody who's at the same strength and going in the same direction as you are. And be careful about how you make that selection. Because I've done this long enough to see a lot of people either become horrible hypocrites in church because they were messing around with each other, sleeping around with each other in church, and people were offended and hurt and, and discouraged by it, or people just walk out of church because they had a relationship that didn't end up well. They didn't want to see that person anymore, and they saw them every week here, so they stopped coming here. I don't know about you. It's just not worth it for somebody to not continue to pursue the relationship with God where God called them to be. Number two, the flesh, right? First to ask, do they look good? Second thing to ask is, do I approve of them? The flesh asks this question, do I approve of them? Samson could care less what anybody else thought. He wanted what he wanted when he wanted it. He didn't care about other people's opinions. He didn't care about anybody else's warnings. He's like, she looked good. I want her. Bring her to me. Listen, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12 says this. Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than them. That phrase, wise in their own eyes, that just means you see somebody that thinks they know everything? A fool is better off than they are. Watch out for those people that think they got it all. They know it all. That They think they have the answers to everything. Proverbs 15, 22, plans go wrong. Why? For lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. We can easily be blinded by our own hearts and by our own passions. You ever notice how you uh, start to finally see a person's flaws after you stop liking them? You know what I mean? Like when you like them, it's all great. They're perfect. Everything's awesome. 
when you break up, you start noticing, man, that tooth always been like that crooked. Like it just kind of slants like a weird window, <laughs> right? You ever notice their left eye's always been smaller than their right eye? It's kind of weird, right? Like you just start noticing all these random flaws. You ever notice how much dandruff they got? They're always, it looks like they're always snowing on their shoulders. It can be August and there's snow on their shoulders, right? You just, it's not like all of a sudden they weren't using head and shoulders. It's just because you're not looking at them with those lovey-dovey eyes anymore. You finally start to notice things that you weren't willing to acknowledge. Now listen, those are some silly things, but there are some more serious things. Because you really start to notice that that person always disrespected you. You start to notice that that person was verbally abusive towards you. Even for me, when I was having that relationship, I, I didn't see it at the time because at the time, you know, I was you know, six feet tall and I was bench pressing, you know, 275 pounds. I thought I was very powerful. I knew, I thought I was strong. I didn't realize I was being manipulated by a five-foot-five girl. But there were so many things that, that she would do that were verbally abusive and, and, and would just mess with me and, 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 and were just wrong when I look back at it. And then when I would try to defend myself, she would say things like, oh, well, just break up with me. And I remember, I'm sorry, no. And for years, it messed me up. It messed me up years afterward. Where, where I brought those baggage, I, even after the relationship, I was so mean to girls. Because it's like, I'm, not, I'm never going to let anybody treat me like that anymore. And so I would be divisive towards any kind of female. It took me years to get over that pain. And to finally start being who God had called me to be. We need to be careful in these scenarios because a lot of times the only question we ask is do I like them? We don't ask anybody else's outside opinions. Now, again, listen, you don't need everyone's approval. But you do need a couple people that are willing to see with eyes that maybe aren't as filled with love as you. That's why we should seek counsel outside of us. But be careful whose counsel you're seeking, by the way. Don't ask the other tatara in your classroom that doesn't know what they're doing. Two blind people shouldn't be teaching each other how to fly, okay? You want to be careful on who you're asking. God already provided you with a group of people to help you on these processes. We call them spiritual authorities. And God has placed spiritual authorities in your life, right? Because the spirit asks, not do I approve, does the authority in my life approve? Is there checks and balances? Samson had godly parents who warned him against pursuing a lady like that. But Samson essentially told them to shut up. He didn't care what they thought. He just wanted what he wanted. Listen, Hebrews 13, 17 tells us, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be of your benefit. I was just talking to a couple uh, before the service and, and, you know, in their relationship, there was a season where they had to break apart. And this was the counsel that I was giving them. And by God's grace, they, they agreed to do it. And I asked them, did you not like me during that time? Were you ever mad at me at that time? And they were honest and said, yeah, a little bit. Because why? Because we always want to blame somebody. But I'm glad that God in his wisdom guided them through the process and helped to mature them and helped them understand that your leadership isn't all in your dating life because we're bored. Honestly. You think we got nothing better to do than to find out what 15-year-olds are doing in their dating life? It's not like we all sit together once a month and like, so who's dating who? Oh, my gosh. Are you for real? Dude, I can't believe it. I knew it. Like, that's just not what we do. Why are we so involved with your dating relationship? Because we're responsible to God for the life that you're living as your spiritual authority. So a lot of times you might be like, well, I can't trust my leaders. And listen, I'm not saying be blind about it. I'm not saying your leader is your God. But what I am saying is God has placed people in your life to help guide you on this process. May it be your parents, your pastor, your leaders here at Excel. These are people that God has placed in your life to help guide you on this process that you're going through, particularly when it comes to dating. And listen, if I'm wrong, I won't have to answer to you. I have to answer to God, and I am more afraid of God than I am of you. So if I go about this all willy-nilly, if I just do this out of my own preference, if I'm just like, no, I don't want you to date that person because I'm rooting for so-and-so, that, that, that's something that I have to be held accountable to the Lord for. 
And so the only reason I get as involved as I do is because I know I have a responsibility to the Lord on behalf of these individuals, and I need to do a good job with it. And so you could help us by allowing us to be a part of the process. When I started dating my wife, I took her on a tour of my spiritual authorities. Right? Literally, I had her meet my parents. I had her meet Pastor. I sat down with Pastor every Tuesday and talked to him about our relationship, about how it was going. This was just during the talking stage. We might look at that next week, what the talking stages are. But I talked to Pastor, and, and I had him. And then on top of that, I literally, we drove to visit other ministry partners, accountability people that I had in my life. I took her to Minnesota to meet Pastor John. I took her to meet Pastor Ricky. I had her meet with my friend Sam. I, I had her meet with everybody. And then after they would meet her, I would go, so what do you think? And everybody told me the same thing. Joey, that's, that's yours. That's the one. Are you sure? I, I, I just don't want to be blinded by my own emotions. Joey, she's good. She's good. Now, again, do they decide who I marry? No. But it's just this extra accountability so that I'm confident not in what I see, but also what other people are noticing. Because let's, let's take ourselves out of the dating relationship. You ever had like a best friend get into a relationship that you knew was horrible? You see the train wreck happening. You see that head-on collision. And do they listen to you? No. What do they do? They get mad at you. You ever had a best friend get mad at you because you told them the truth about the person they liked? And then they all heated with you. Oh, you're just jealous, and you're this, and you're that. You don't even know. What do you want? You want, do you want to get with them? Da, 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 da. And you're like, first of all, you stupid. <laughs> right? You get all this weirdness. Then that person breaks their heart, and they all salty coming back to you. Talk about my bad. I'm sorry. Now, listen, we're in the same place, but we love you enough to tell you the truth. We're not worried about you liking us or not because we're worried about God holding us accountable to what he's called us to do. These spiritual authorities in your life, take advantage of them. Get them involved in the process. Make sure that they understand what's going on. If you have to hide relationship from the people that God has placed in your life, then who's looking out for you? That's a huge sign that you're not in a good relationship. And the last thing is this. The flesh says... Well, God didn't say no. Right? God, should I be with this person? I'll take your silence as approval. <laughs> God didn't say no. Did God tell you should be with them? Well, he didn't say no. I hate hearing that because I hear it all the time. How do you feel about this relationship? Yeah, I think it's good. What do you, what do you think the Lord said? Well, he didn't say no. That doesn't mean yes. <laughs> Listen, Judges 14.4, his father and mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. Okay? This may appear as if God approved of Samson's choice, right? It, it almost makes it look like God was in favor. But we know that God told his nation not to marry unbelievers, not to marry outside of the people of God, that this relationship was a sin against God. And I wonder if Samson took God not stopping him as his approval. But what God was going to do was just make good out of a bad situation. He knew Samson was going to do what he wanted to do, and he was already going to use that to honor himself and to be for God's glory. Listen, just because God didn't say no doesn't mean he said yes. Just because you didn't hear an answer doesn't mean you can go. And too often... When we actually take the time to ask God, we don't wait for the answer. Psalm 27, verse 14, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Wait for that moment for him to tell you, don't be in such a rush. Again, guys, you're all under 18 years old. And I know it feels like if you don't find somebody today, you'll be alone forever that's not true <laughs> because you're under 18 years old. 
All right? I, I get it. I've been there. I feel, you see everybody matching up, and it feels like it, I heard it once a psychologist say this um, when she talked about a, a client that she met with. And the client said that when it came to her husband, she goes, I feel like I was playing musical chairs, and the only reason I ended up with my husband was because the music stopped and he was the last chair available. That's not a good reason to marry anybody. <laughs> But a lot of times we end up getting into these relationships simply because we feel the rush of everybody else getting into a relationship. But you are not on anybody else's timeline. You're on God's timeline. So trust him with the process. Trust him with his timing. Trust him with letting you know when to and when not to. And don't jump the gun because you never know. You might be having that person. That person might be in this room. Somebody that God has set up that would be great for you. But now they don't want you because they see you trying to date everybody else in the room. And so why would they want to get with you when you're trying to get with everyone else? We got to be careful and trusting God's plan and being patient as we wait for it. Because God says this, right? If the flesh says God didn't say no, well, the spirit says that I'll wait until you say yes. Don't just move in the silence. Wait for the approval. Wait until God says yes. Wait until God gives you the green light. Wait until God gives you the green light. Your authorities confirm it. There's confidence in knowing that this is something I should pursue. Now, again, I'm going to take a moment, time out of the sermon to explain this. This is dating. That doesn't mean, even if you got the green light, even if it feels good, there's still going to be moments where it may not work out. Because it is two people. And you might have done everything right, and the other person may not. So, so please don't misunderstand. There may be moments where you did everything right, and the relationship still doesn't work out. But you can at least go away understanding, I did what was right in God's eyes. I know that I'm in good standing. Just be careful and thinking, well, I did everything right, and, and I still got messed up. My, my wife, she meets with several clients, and, and I've heard, you know, horror stories. She can't tell me specifics. She can't tell me names, but uh, we've hinted at things, and, and I've seen my own stories. I've seen people that, that waited until they got married, to, and, and they were virgins, and they did everything right, and their spouses still cheated on them. And we can look at that and go, well, where was God? I did everything right, God. Why, why is this happening? We need to understand that life isn't always going to be fair like that because, again, we live in a fallen world and other people have their own independent will and make their own decisions as well. But you can really mitigate those if you date right. You can really lower the potential of those kind of outcomes when you do the dating part right. Psalm 143 verse 10 says this, teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. In other words, God, I don't want to have to worry about my relationships anymore because I'm just going to trust you with it. In the meantime, teach me, Lord, how to follow you. Can I tell you something? The greatest time to prepare for your marriage is before you have one. I know there's a lot of need. I was thinking about maybe asking you to raise your hands, but I don't think that's even necessary because I know there's a lot of people in this room whose parents aren't married or had a bad marriage or fell apart. And some of us are afraid to get into relationships because we've never seen a good one. We've only seen bad ones. But listen, there's only one relationship you need to look at to be an example for your future one, and that's your relationship with the Lord. That one will teach you how to love in your new relationships. And again, my wife and I, we've tried desperately and, and tried very much to be committed to giving you an example that you could follow, making sure that we need big enough prints in the snow that you could put your feet in. But you only need to follow us in as much as we follow Christ. Let him be the ultimate barometer of what love should look like. Let him show you what it means to be in a, in a loving relationship and what it means to be loved by someone. Because if they don't love like God, then they don't love you. Because the Bible tells me that God is love. And if they can't love the Lord, they have no idea how to love you. This is why we're constantly telling you to go after godly people. It's not about religion. If God is love and they don't know how to love the Lord, they will never understand how to love you. They will never understand what it means to love you. And again, if they don't love the Lord, but they love you, 
then they put the pressure that should be on God's shoulders on your shoulders. And that relationship will never last. Because you're not strong enough to be God. The beauty in my relationship is my hope is in the Lord. Sicily's hope is in the Lord. And together we make a triple braided cord. Together we're tied around the one singular aspect of our relationship. So we might have drama with each other. But the Lord deals with both of us and then we're able to deal with each other. Worship team, if you can help me out. Samson kept making the same mistakes. And in Judges 16, 20, we see what happens. Later on, he meets this other woman, Delilah. And he keeps playing with this relationship. He keeps toying with it. And listen, this is what happens. When God doesn't deal with us right away, when we make a mistake, when we end up, you know, slipping up a little bit, and lightning doesn't come down from the sky and strike us dead, suddenly we go, Maybe I can do this. When we cross the line a little bit and we go a little bit further physically than we should and nothing bad happens, no one's pregnant, there's no STDs, there's no issues, we start to think that because God didn't strike us dead that he approved it and that it's okay. And here's the danger behind having that kind of mentality is one day you're going to wake up and you're going to look for God and you're going to end up in the same place Samson did. Listen, it says, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as other times. In other words, I'm going to do what I always did and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. What is he saying? Listen, you fool around long enough with ungodly relationships and don't be surprised when you no longer have a relationship with God. You mess around long enough with people who don't have a relationship with God and don't be surprised that you don't either. When we look in the Bible, we talked about uh, Samson, but there was another man named Solomon who's considered the wisest man that ever lived. But when I look at his life, I really think he was a dumb guy because he had everything you'd want, all the riches, all the fame, all the power, all the authority, on top of that, he had all the women he wanted, literally, hundreds. But he had a, a, a taste for foreign girls, for people that weren't a part of the people of God. And he was warned not to get into relationships with those girls because they would pull his heart away from the Lord. But the flesh wants what the flesh wants. And Solomon ended up having a bunch of those girls and he ended up worshiping foreign gods. And that decision cost him the kingdom, literally the kingdom split into two and divided. And even sometime after that horrible king after horrible king, the Lord fell silent for 400 years. Your decisions are going to have consequences. And there will be consequences not just for you, but for your children and your children's children and generations to come. And some of you, you're feeling the effects of poor decisions made by your parents and your grandparents and the bad relationships before you. But here's what I love. You don't have to continue that because it's all you've seen. Because now you get to see differently. And now, God willing, if you do end up in a relationship and you do end up having children, your children don't have to encounter the stuff that you did. I look at my daughter every day. I look her dead in the eye and I say, I love you. Baby girl, I love you. You're perfect. You're special. You're the best. Sometimes I feel like, you know, Nacho Libre, Ramses is the best. Her hair is the best. <laughs> but I want my daughter to know. Because I didn't always hear those things. I didn't always get that kind of affirmation. Parents were a little more old school. You just kind of had to know it. But my kid gets different. And my kid will know that their parents love each other, will know that their parents love her. You get to decide who will raise your children. You get to decide who will be your life partner. You get to decide. And so if you're going to make a decision, make a wise one. And don't allow the flesh to guide you, but be led by the Spirit. Amen? I want to ask you to stand. I want to pray tonight a blessing over you.
I want to pray for your future spouse. This is something that I'm starting to pray for my daughter. And listen, this, this is my baby girl. You, you don't think some dude's just going to knock on the door and try to take her out. More than likely, I'm going to be taking him out. But I also understand that one day she may want to pursue a relationship with someone. And so I want to pray for that someone now. Because here's the deal. If you realize, if I spend less time looking for the one and spend more time becoming that one, then when it's time, we'll meet. The worst thing that can happen is you spend all your time looking for somebody to be with, and by the time you meet them, they look at you and go, you're not ready. So I want to pray a blessing over your life, that as God is preparing them, that he would prepare you, that he would build you up into the men and women he called you to be, and that by his spirit, he would lead you into all truth, and he would open your eyes to the one that he would want you to be with, and they would close your eyes to the ones that he doesn't want you to bother with. So I'm going to ask you right where you are, would you just close your eyes? Heavenly Father, I just pray a special blessing over each and every student here tonight. Lord, I love them as if they were my own children. And so, God, I pray the same prayer that I pray for my own daughter. God, I ask that you would anoint them by your spirit, that you would guide them on this path. Lord, I pray that their first and only priority when it comes to relationships is their relationship with you. God, I pray that they would learn to love you and be loved by you. God, I pray that you would be the ultimate measuring stick, the barometer, that you would be the one thing that they measure everything else up to when it comes to love. God, I pray against the images of love that are spurned in this world. I pray against this ideology that the world tries to tell them is love. Lord, I pray for truth and love that comes from you. I pray that they would understand as they grow, as they read your word, as they spend time in prayer, as they grow in their relationship with you, that they understand what it means to be loved by the Father and that they wouldn't settle for less when it comes to being loved by anyone else. And Lord, even now I pray for their future spouse should they have one. Lord, I pray that you would do the same thing in them, God, that you right now would be working in them, Lord, that you would separate them and anoint them for your purposes and your calling. And Lord, I pray for those in this room who have been called to a life of singleness. God, I pray that they would never look at that as a default or as a drawback, as something that, that they just didn't make it. God, I pray that they would understand that it is a beautiful calling, it is a beautiful purpose to be separated and used by you for your honor, for your glory. That they can be just as well used and have just a fulfilling life because you are the ultimate relationship, God. You are the main priority. So, Lord, I pray for every individual in this room. Lord, help us to not make decisions by the flesh, but be led by your spirit. They would be guided in every single way, Lord. We thank you for your word and its guidance, and we pray that it helps us now and forever. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. God bless you. We love you. Hey, listen, one more thing before you go. Hey, I would recommend take time and talk to the leaders either today. I know tomorrow we have small groups. I want to encourage you, be here and do this. Ask your leaders about their experiences. Ask them to tell you about the good and the ugly when it comes to their relationship. Some of them that are in relationships, ask them how they do it, how they date. Start to learn from the people ahead of you, from the good things and from the mistakes. God bless you. We love you. We got merch for sale. The cafe is open. Help yourselves and get home safely.